Coming up next, please stay tuned for It Is Written, presented by Pastor John Bradshaw. This is It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. Thanks for joining me. We both know that there are some things in life that we are going to experience no matter what. And some of those experiences we wouldn't choose to experience if we had a choice. But many of them, we don't have a choice. One of them is grief. Grief hurts. It's painful. And you're going to experience it sooner or later. That's just the way life goes. But what is grief and how do we deal with grief and what should a person do? What could a person do when grief strikes close to home? Well, I'm blessed to have with me in the studio today a good friend, Mike Tucker. Pastor Mike Tucker is the speaker and director of Faith for Today, a Christian ministry. You may well have seen Pastor Tucker hosting Lifestyle magazine or leading out in one of his Mad About Marriage Seminars. Mike Tucker, thanks for joining me today. It is a joy to be here with you, John. Thank you. I'm going to start at the beginning. Yeah. What's grief? How do we define that? Grief is an emotional, psychological, uh, physical reaction to any experience of loss. It can be uh, loss through death, loss of a job, loss of a body part, uh, anything else in your life that is significant. There may be a grief response to it. Now, one of the reasons I'm speaking with you is because you're a trained counselor. Mm-hmm a licensed uh, marriage therapist, Mm -hmm. family expert. And you have some experience with grief as well, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Grief is just one of those things that everybody's going to experience. Everyone. You don't get out of life without grief. And most of your viewers have already had some experience with grief. To what degree? That varies according to life experiences. But everyone gets it. Everyone has it. Uh, some people think that Christians shouldn't grieve. That's just a misnomer. You, you have to grieve. Everyone grieves. Now, there are certain things that you might ought to do when grief comes. We'll yeah. talk about those soon. Sure. So before we explain it, there's, there's probably ways you can equip yourself to deal with grief before it comes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, especially if you see a loss coming, you can engage in what we call anticipatory grief. Being willing to go ahead and experience those tears and trying to anticipate what life will be like without them. But I think beyond that is a matter of keeping relationships healthy and keeping yourself personally healthy, physically fit with positive relationships and a positive faith. But having a, an appropriate picture of the, of the nature of God, His personality, His character, what He has promised you, what He has not promised you, will actually help prepare you for grief. Okay, now, so you can grieve about different things. Yeah. I could, I could lose um, a cherished possession. Yes. I can grieve that. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are the inappropriate ways to deal with grief? What are the grief mistakes that people often make? Some people try to stuff it or ignore it. Um, act like it's not there. They will deny it. Other people will try to out-medicate it, uh, out-drink it, uh, something of that nature. Some people will try to outwork it. Uh, they just won't give expression to the pain by crying. They won't allow themselves to do those things. Those are all inappropriate ways. Another inappropriate way would be to build a shrine uh, to, to that which is lost. You know, sometimes people build a shrine in their home to a person who's died, and for years on, no one can touch that. You know, to do something like that temporarily may be uh, understandable, but when you do this and it lasts for years, that can be another inappropriate way to deal with it. 
But just a, a refusal to deal with the pain, to give expression through tears, through talking, those are all inappropriate responses. As a pastor, I speak from time to time with people who will tell me, oh, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Or, or they'll tell me, I'm not doing fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll dig a little deeper. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's been six weeks since my loved one died, and mm-hmm. I find myself still weeping, yeah. and I just wish I was... That's just not realistic, is it? No, it's not. The average recovery time for a significant loss is one to two years, although you can grieve actively for up to five years and not be pathological with that grief. And even when we talk about recovery, that doesn't mean that you won't ever cry again. It doesn't mean that you won't miss that person again. That will be a part of your experience for the rest of your life, especially with a significant loss. But it may mean that you come to the point where it's not the first thing on your mind every morning when you wake up and the last thing you think about before you go to bed when you finally get to that point of, recovery so that you can function more normally. I think it's important for people to know what's normal, what's acceptable, so that they Mm -hmm. don't uh, think they have a problem they don't have. I remember asking my wife's grandmother. Mm -hmm. Grandma was around 80 at the time, and I discovered that she'd had a a baby girl. She raised three or four boys. Mm -hmm. I should know whether it's three or four, shouldn't I? (laughs) (laughs) And she gave birth to a little girl who died very, very young as an infant. And so this loss that she'd experienced had been about 60 years before, 55 Mm. to 60 years before. Mm -hmm. And I said to Grandma, you had a daughter. I never knew that. Mm -hmm. And she said, yes, I... at, just from out of nowhere, yeah, her voice choked yeah. and tears came yes. 55 to 60 years yeah. later. She was grieving a loss. Mm-hmm. That's normal, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is normal. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that because this is an impactful uh, experience for your life. You never get over truly the loss. You, you may be more comfortable with it. You may be able to function again, but you may have tears over this loss for the rest of your life. Let's say somebody is a secretary working in an office situation. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a secretary. It could be a departmental director sure. or a guy who works in a factory. Uh-huh. So you're surrounded by people. You've got to go back to life. You're putting in your eight to ten hours a day. Mm-hmm. But grief is just all over you and grief begs expression. Mm-hmm. What's the right thing for people to do? Well, the, the right thing for you to do if you're the person experiencing this is to recognize that your tears are going to come and that's okay. And when they come, don't make an apology for them. Just allow it to happen. And if the people around you are savvy and they are, uh, they are understanding, then they're going to accept that and it's going to be normal. So I would say make sure that you give yourself ample room for, for mistakes. You make sure you double-check your work. You take frequent breaks if possible. Um, and then don't be afraid to give expression to the pain, don't be afraid to cry, and don't be afraid to tell the stories, because that's all a part of the process. So to experience grief and to internalize grief, to express grief is all appropriate and and fine. It is. But when's a person going too far? Hmm. It's going to differ from person to person. It will. And uh, you get the very unthinking people who say, are you not over that already? Mm-hmm. It's been six months. And yeah. That's yeah. the last thing you ought to say to a yeah. person. When is expressing grief become, when does that become too much? To give a timeline or a specific answer to that is difficult. But there comes a time when grief no longer becomes an expression of your pain, but becomes a monument to self-pity. Uh, sometimes we can like the negative attention we get from the, the expression of pain. And again, that may not happen the first year. <laughs> it may not happen in, until after that. But there comes a time when you realize that you're, you're doing nothing but grieving, and you're telling the stories, you're crying with every event, everything becomes about your loss. 
that becomes very selfish and it becomes rather myopic. And so to learn that there are appropriate times to give expression to this and there comes the time when you actually have to say goodbye to the relationship it used to be and withdraw that emotional energy and no longer make this a monument to you and to your self-pity, but instead begin to celebrate the life that was and to celebrate the things that you had. Again, that's going to vary for every person, but there does come a time when it's appropriate to do that. Now, you're speaking to this subject yes. from first-hand experience. Absolutely. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. More with Pastor Mike Tucker and grief when we come back. Don't go away. Grief. Sadly, it's an inevitable part of life. There's no escaping loss in this world and the pain that comes along with it. Grief can be disabling, intense, and debilitating. So make sure you get your free copy of Coping with Grief by John Bradshaw. There is a way through life's toughest times. Learn how you or someone you care about can cope with grief. Discover principles that will show you how to return to a life full of joy and hope. Please, don't let grief be any more difficult than it has to be. When the burdens of loss seem to be more than you can handle, there is a way you can cope with grief. To receive the book, Coping with Grief, call right now, 1-800-253-3000. There's absolutely no cost or obligation, and our lines are open 24 hours a day. If the lines are busy, please try again. We'll send Coping with Grief free to any address in North America. Call 1-800-253-3000. Or you can write to us at It Is Written, P.O. Box 6, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37401. To download a free electronic version of Coping with Grief, please visit us online at itiswritten.com. To get your free copy of Coping with Grief, call right now, 1-800-253-3000. It Is Written is a faith-based ministry, and your support makes it possible for us to share God's good news with the world. Your tax-deductible gift can be sent to the address on your screen or through our website at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your continued prayerful support. This is It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. Thanks for joining me today. My guest is Pastor Mike Tucker from Faith for Today. Mike, we've been talking for a few moments about grief. We alluded to your personal experience with grief. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Recently, I've had the biggest loss of my life. Uh, My wife of 40 years, Gail Tucker, um, passed away. You know, we were partners in ministry. Uh, we had worked together as pastors and in, in, in television ministry for 40 years. Everything I did was intricately involved with her. It wasn't really a matter of Mike Tucker. No. It was Mike and Gail. Mike and Gail. Mike and Gail. Mike and, Mike Gail. and, Gail. and Gail. Everything we did. Yeah. Television, marriage seminars, pastoral ministry. She was a pastor as well. So every aspect of my life was intricately involved with her. She was my very best friend. We were traveling all over the, the world doing marriage seminars, among other things, and we were in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, when her right hand started to go numb. She thought she'd slept on it wrong. But by the Saturday afternoon when we were doing a marriage presentation, her right hand would work so poorly that she had to hold the microphone in her left hand for three and a half hours making the presentation because she knew it would fall to the floor. She held it in the right. I said, this is wrong. We got, I got to get you to the hospital. She said, wait till we get back in the country tomorrow, which would be March 6th said, okay. So we flew to Dallas, and when we landed, I said, now which hospital do you want me to take you to because you're not going home? And so she told me which hospital. I took her there, and immediately they diagnosed strokes, which is 
insane to me because the woman was so active. She was not overweight, no cholesterol. I mean, no risk factor for strokes. A picture of health. Absolutely. She played volleyball every week with a group of ladies she played volleyball with for over 20 years. And it took another week and a half of testing to figure out that she had stage 4 pancreatic cancer that had already metastasized to her liver. And the liver, one of the, the side effects of liver cancer can be a condition they call sticky blood, which means it was creating blood clots in her body. And when those broke apart, it went to the brain, and that's where the strokes came from. The stroke was a symptom. She was going to die of pancreatic cancer. Now, if you don't mind. Please. She was going to die. Yes. Pancreatic cancer typically is a one-way street. Yes, it is. But people can be healed. Yes. God is a great God. Yes. You know God well. You have for many years. Mm -hmm. But you felt then, how did you process that? Were you living on hope? We're praying Mm -hmm. for her to be healed? Or how quickly did you get to resignation? I think we're going to lose her. You know, I, I was realistic enough to realize that unless God performed a miracle, I was going to lose my wife. And she knew that as well. I've worked as a chaplain in hospitals for years. I've, I've, done, I've seen enough of this. I've worked with hospice patients. I know, and she knew as well, that unless God intervened, we were going to lose her. And she was ready. She was, she was okay with that. She wanted to be healed. We had an anointing service, as, as called for in James. And we we had a prayer for healing, believing fully that God could heal her, because I, like you, have seen miraculous healings. Sure. And so I knew that God was capable, but I also know and knew that God might say no, at least right now. Every prayer for healing is answered yes, sometimes immediately, sometimes over time with prayer and medicine and surgery, and sometimes the healing will take place resurrection. That's right. We ask for option A or B, but we're willing to accept option C. And so, yes, I knew that this was a real possibility, and she did too, so we prepared for the worst while hoping for the best. You said Gail was okay with that. Yeah. Tell me, if you wouldn't mind, what she went through. Here's your wife of 40 years, Mm -hmm. someone, everyone who knew her loved her, so you weren't alone in that. Yeah. How does a person take that kind of news? Gail, it's stage four pancreatic cancer. It's metastasized. We know the chances are about this good. Yeah. How does a person deal with that? You know, obviously it was a big blow to her, and it, and it took her a while to just kind of digest this. And when she began to realize it, I asked her, are you angry? Are you frightened? She said, no. She said, I've had 60 years of immaculate health, and she had. I mean, she vibrant and healthy and active. And she said, some people never get a day. I've had 40 years of a wonderful marriage, and some people never know that. I've had over 40 years of exciting ministry, fulfilling ministry. I've got children and grandchildren, extended family and friends, and some people never know any of that. For me to be angry that that only lasted 60 years instead of 80 seems to be somewhat ungrateful, and I'm not going to be ungrateful to my Lord. I just thank Him for what I've had. Amen. That was her attitude. Wow. And she got that attitude early on. She never experienced fear because she knew her heart was right with Jesus. She never experienced anger because she was grateful for what she'd had. And amazingly, I had already had the same thoughts, which is strange for me because truthfully, anger has always been my go-to emotion. But I'd gone through a previous loss, uh, a financial and a career loss at an early point. We lost our house. We lost our savings. I thought I'd lost my career. I thought it was all over, Mm. and I hadn't done anything. And my response was anger. Because at the time, I was giving 30% of my gross income to the church. I was volunteering as a pastor while working in private business. 
All sorts of exciting things were happening with the church. It was growing like crazy. And my anger was, God, what do you want? 40%? I don't get it. I thought because of my hard labor, my generosity, the success of the ministry, that God owed me better than what he gave me. And when I realized that anger comes when we think we're getting less from God than what he owes us, then I began to realize that I had sinned in my life by expecting something from God he'd never promised. I confessed that to him, and he forgave me, and I, I promised by God's grace I would make sure that my, my uh, lived theology would be uh, congruent with my expressed or my preached theology. And that happened. So that when Gail got sick, I realized I'd had a blessing that was beyond what most people ever experience. So you weren't experiencing anger either? No anger either. In fact, it's been six months since her death and I'm still not angry. Forty years of marriage. Yeah. A catastrophic loss. Yes. No anger. No anger. There's incredible pain. Sure. There's incredible emptiness and loneliness. There's, there's, uh, I, I cry at unexpected times, but no anger because God has not shortchanged me one iota. He has given me more than what he ever promised me. And so since he has given me more than he, what he promised, I have no reason for anger because most people never experience what I've had. I celebrate what I've had. I miss what I've had, but I'm not angry with God. There's more. We're going to come back to the story we began in just a moment. Pastor Mike Tucker, we're dealing today with grief something we all must experience and something that if it hasn't come near you, it will. Today's program, very important. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Every Word is a one-minute Bible-based daily devotional presented by Pastor John Bradshaw and designed especially for busy people like you. Receive a daily spiritual boost. Watch Every Word. It's an enormous shame when people lose hope in God, but it happens, and it's happened to some outstanding people. Think about John the Baptist and his temporary discouragement. The cousin of Jesus had boldly proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But one day he sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? That's Matthew 11, verse 3. John had been convinced, but now he's in prison, and Jesus, who he believed to be the Messiah, hadn't got the Romans out of Israel, and hadn't got John out of prison. John knew Jesus was the Messiah, but he let go of faith and started to make judgments by what he could see. John couldn't see too well. Jesus was the Messiah, still is. And our difficult circumstances won't ever change that. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Thanks for joining me today on It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. My guest today from Faith For Today, Pastor Mike Tucker. Mike, we're talking about your own experience with grief. Mm -hmm. A couple of moments ago, you shared how Gail was diagnosed with mm -hmm. stage four pancreatic cancer. We got about to the place where she was accepting of this diagnosis yeah. and ready for whatever God had for her. Yeah. So what happened next? Well, you know, we got the, the diagnosis March 16 of 2016. First symptoms, March 3 to March 6, and then uh, the diagnosis, March 16. And so we began to examine our options. We were praying for healing, but she wanted to be home. And so we took her home, started with home health, eventually went to hospice when it was appropriate. But basically, she wanted to get as strong as she could and enjoy the time she had with her family. So we started calling in family members. 
we had to limit the number of friend visits because we have so many in the area and it was draining for her and so yeah. so many I wanted to bring in but I couldn't but she just started spending her days making sure that things were right between her and the Lord and that she spent as much time with her children and grandchildren and siblings and her mother as possible and so they were days of joy and days of laughter and she entered into a coma on uh, April 8 and then passed away April 10 she was, uh, her daughters were by her side, I was with, with her, one of the, the sisters were with her. She uh, passed peacefully while we were praying with her and touching her and loving on her. And she fell asleep in Jesus on April 10 in the afternoon, about 5.47 p.m. Now, the first symptoms, Yeah. March 3. March 3, when her hand went numb. Yeah. And then goodbye. April 10. Six weeks. Yeah. There are a couple of questions I could ask at once. Mm-hmm. One is, that's really quick. Very quick. From having your ministry partner, yeah. your life partner, you're traveling together, you're doing yeah. God's work, and she's in f- evidently yeah. in full health. Full Six health. weeks later, she's gone. Yeah. At the same time, Mike, that's not quick. Quick is hit by a bus. Yeah. Yeah. That's quick. Yeah. So, so I wonder if you can talk with me about, about the emotions that you experienced and how you dealt with or how you're dealing with... Mm-hmm. Uh, Losing a perfectly healthy wife mm-hmm. just like that. Where does that take you? How do you, yeah. how do you wrestle with that? I wanted to be as strong as I could around her, but I, I wept like crazy, just trying to get my mind around, anticipating what it was going to be like without her, and just accepting the reality that unless Jesus intervened, I was going to lose her. The things that I've been trying to do is to, is to think. When the thoughts come, I think them fully. I weep when the, when the tears come. I talk about it, I, I, I share my feelings with other people, I write about it, um, I pray about it. Those things are helpful. The other thing I do is I walk. When I'm home, I walk anywhere from 8 to 12 miles a day. Those are prayer time for me, and it's thinking time. It gives me the opportunity to focus on nothing more than, than my loss and my God and, and my prayer time. And those things have helped me. Talking with my family, talking with friends, telling the stories over and over again. Uh, the, not just the stories of her loss and the death, but the stories of our life together, sure. of meeting her, the first date, you know, and, uh, and the proposal. Telling those stories over and over again are important to me. And then the stories of ministry together, the, the different places we've been, the, the decisions for Christ we've witnessed. Those are the things that are helping me. And then being close to my family, just holding on to my daughters, my grandchildren, and helping them grieve as well. Those are the activities. But before Gail died, she wrote a letter to each of our children and to our two grandchildren. It was a a letter to be given to them about six weeks after the death. By right, I mean, she dictated and I had to type because her hand didn't work and she had lost her sight by the end. And after she finished that, she said, I need to write a letter to you. I said, well, we have no one to dictate that to. I mean, basically, you're stuck. And what are you going to say to me you haven't said every day for 40 years anyway? She said, you may be right. I said, so for argument's sake, what would you say? She said, there's nothing to regret. We had a great life together. Don't, don't beat yourself up for any mistakes. No regrets. That's number one. And number two, she said, live our life. That's what she wanted from me. Our life has been um, faith, family, and ministry. That's, that's who we are. It's what we've done. I want to ask you this. No regrets. Yeah. Uh, easy to say. Oh, yeah. Easy to say. Yeah. No regrets. Yeah. Hey, Mike, when I'm gone, have no regrets. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you have any regrets? I really don't. You know, I've made mistakes. Sure. 
I haven't been the perfect husband. But every time I think of those things, I remember what she said. No regrets. That means that she had forgiven me for any mistake, just as I've forgiven her. I think it's important to be able to look back on yeah. mistakes made in, within the context. Yeah. We're human. We're going yeah. to make mistakes. Right? Absolutely. She had an amazing memory. She could forget every mistake I ever made. So why would I beat myself up over something that she had forgiven me for? God has forgiven me, and he says he remembers my sins no more. So for me to remember it and bring it up seems foolhardy. What I believe is that even when you have some kind of catastrophe in your life, if you're a believer in in God, you can still see God's hand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Did you see God's hand through this process? Yes, I did. How did you see God's hand in what's a disaster? Yeah. The first place I see it is in the way she died. She died as she lived. And when people saw the congruence between what she lived and how she died, they were brought to faith. Another way that I see this is that even though we've had a close-knit family, this has brought us even closer together. My daughters and I are tight, um, and I don't make decisions without them. But another thing is that as I've given expression to my pain, I've written about it, I've shared it openly from the pulpit, and when they see me doing this, it gives them courage and gives them hope. Those are some of the, uh, just a few of the ways that I see God's hand in this. We just have a moment. Someone's experiencing grief, and it just seems like the end. Now, very obviously, one can go on, because for 6,000 years of human history, people have been grieving and going on. We've done so. What do you say to that person who's grieving uh, and just sees blackness ahead? Mm -hmm. How can that person go on? First of all, this won't last forever. It will seem like it. But the darkest part of it will not last forever. God has promised to be a very present help in this time, even though at times he seems even further away because of your pain. That's normal. He's promised to get you through this. He will. The Bible promises us in Psalm 30 and verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Is that your experience? It is. Is there joy? Yes, there's still joy. It it, it comes now in moments, and at times I see a little bit more of it. I see it in my grandchildren. They're three and five, and when they, they want to come play with Papa, they miss Grammy like crazy and they cry, but when they like to play with Papa, and I see the joy of life in their eyes. Uh, that's joy for me. When I preach and I see people respond to a message, that's joy to me. When they respond to the television programs, I have joy there. I have joy with my daughters. There's still joy in life. Um, it's mitigated with the pain, but there's still joy. And I, I know that God has even more joy for me in the future. Eventually, there'll be more. Pastor Mike Tucker, this has been a big deal. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining me today. I truly appreciate it. Thanks. Let's pray together. Sure. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're going to be honest with you and tell you we wish there was no such thing as grief. We don't like loss. Human beings weren't created to grieve. When you created this earth, death wasn't on your agenda. But an enemy hath done this. We thank you today that the Bible encourages us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we will take our strength in you and trust that when life's difficult circumstances come, you'll get us through, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Thank you, Lord, for allowing Mike to be here today and share his experience. Continue to bless him and use him in a powerful way to offer hope and hope in Christ to many. And bless us. Friend, if you're going through a difficult experience now, 
Would you yield your heart to Jesus? Just pray, Lord, take my heart and make it yours. Let that be your prayer. Lord Jesus, take my heart. Give me your peace. Give me faith and trust in you always. Lord, we thank you for answering our prayer and keeping us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me today. Looking forward to seeing you again next time. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You've been listening to It Is Written. Join us again next week at the same time on this station for It Is Written with John Bradshaw. This program was produced by It Is Written, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit our website, itiswritten.com.